And we are back. The Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is the podcast that takes you from Seattle to Tokyo at all points throughout history. From the Seattle area, I'm longtime fan and broadcaster Jim Valley. And we head across the Pacific Rim, across the Pacific Ocean to Tokyo, Japan. And Japan's most respected journalist, historian, and author, Fumi Saito. Hello. How are you from Good. Tokyo? Good. I'm. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> hey, I want to say hello to uh, all of our new listeners. We've got a. Thank you. Yes, all the new listeners out there. Thank you very much. Thank you for downloading. Yes. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting. We, if you like what you've heard so far, go back in the archives. There's a ton of history on Ricky Dozan and Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki and Jumbo Saruda and Noah and I mean. Anybody. Oh, Fujinami, Ricky Choshu, Maeda, anybody. Vader, Stan Hansen, <laughs> yeah. Terry Gordy, obviously Brody. Uh, so many people. There's so much stuff that we have talked about. Bull Nakano. Uh, there's yeah. so many people we have talked about uh, tying in Japanese and American history. There's a, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, we do talk about new things as well, but if you go back in the archives, you can even fast forward to that stuff if you like and find the history. There's always a ton of evergreen stuff, so be sure to go back in the archives and check that out yeah very good uh the other so thing, where do we start well yeah. we need to start about um i have been promising for a while now t-shirts and because okay. we've had we've had things happen the uh, the tragic passing of masa saito and vader yeah. and other things we've we've kind of pushed things to the back burner so i apologize for that but i i have the t-shirts right here and maybe you've seen the pictures it won't be the exact t-shirts but it'll be the exact same design that maybe you saw on twitter that fumi and bull nakano were holding up in bull nakano's bar uh, and it's the uh, the Bull Nakano logo that says Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. And true story, that logo, um, I'm not a graphic artist, and Fumi isn't a graphic artist. And all I did was take a picture, a cartoon drawing that I took a picture of off the wall from Bull Nakano's bar in Tokyo, the girls' bar. And I just kind of colorized it and messed with it and put it through a bunch of effects, and that just became our logo. But that is literally a cartoon that's on the wall. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. all. I had, to, I had to do something, man. I'm not a. I'm not a cartoonist. I'm not a graphic and, artist. And the Bona kind of likes it. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh, we'll here's what we'll, yeah. here's what we'll do. I've got two T-shirts to give away. All you need to do is uh, be sure to subscribe. Go on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, and uh, I'll just pick, I'll just pick two people. And if you've already given us a five-star rating on iTunes, you're already qualified. But if you do that for us, I'll say in the next uh, three weeks. So three weeks, we will uh, do that. So we'll do it uh, three weeks from uh, the, what is today, the 27th? Is July 27th? So we'll do it in August. So we'll yeah, let you actually know. 28 Saturday morning here in Tokyo, and you are oh, talking to me from Seattle that's on right. Friday night. You know, it's so funny. Every time people, I always tell people, <laughs> I love doing this show, but the biggest challenge is coordinating. The time difference. Yeah, and I always joke that <laughs> yeah. uh, no matter what, when we're recording, one of us is just getting up, and the other one is about ready to go to bed. It doesn't matter when. Or the other way around, yeah. yes. Always. One of us is just getting up, and sometimes we're like, man, I'm tired. I got to go to bed. Or, man, I just woke up, and I'm dragging. So I talked to you in 12 hours. Yeah, like yeah. That. We don't always yeah. have the most uh, 
on the on the spot schedule, and that's why. But uh, we do love doing. Well, this is a Pacific Grin. Yeah. Hey, speaking of T-shirts, I have to mention this, this too. Um, oh God, <laughs> this is so good. Roy Lusher, oh. who is a hardcore Japanese wrestling fan, and actually, which is really cool, he kind of considers you a mentor. So you've kind of taught him a lot about Japanese wrestling. But he found in uh, one of your old weekly pro wrestling magazines that you used to write for and you were like the featured columnist that there were Fumi Saito t-shirts. I mean, I knew you were a big deal, but I didn't know you were t-shirt big. That's impressive. I'm not so proud of that. <laughs> what do you, you're just not proud of the mullet. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, because textbook mullet look is incredibly ridiculous now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, that was then. Everybody had mullet. I trust had one. Me, I had a know? worse mullet. There was a time. This is a true story. Like in like in 1989, when Scott yeah. Steiner was was just coming into WCW and he had that long mullet. I totally sure. wanted. I totally wanted a Scott Steiner mullet. And I tried to grow one out, <laughs> but where I worked, everybody, the place that I worked, everybody had me. one. Yeah, everyone had one. Oh yeah, so everybody I, had so one. So I do have a couple of questions about these. Yeah. What is the story with you and the alien? The I finally met him. A true story. Ah, uh, yeah, that was uh, you know, mid nineties. He was uh, there was a you know alien, a gray boom. You know, you Area Fifty Five. The you know like X Files. X files that too, and also at the end of the 20th century, you know, we thought we were gonna all find out is UFO really is in this in our world visiting from outer space or all those things, and then UFO theme T-shirt, UFO theme this and that. It was really big, and uh, yeah, they made T-shirt out of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, then, what was big at the time, you know, Beavis and Butthead, and they drew Fumi right next to them. So I love the Beavis and Butthead and Fumi. That if that uh, if that wasn't a uh, licensing issue with uh, no, with right, the intellectual it was just property. Uh, humor. Yeah, yeah. No, I, we weren't selling it. We were giving that away. You know? Oh, so, oh, so yeah. So what is the story on the T-shirt? You gave them away? Yeah, I I don't remember details this is probably one of my books some something new video something came out right so we made a bunch of t-shirts to give away you know buy this videotape or you know then send us a postcard you know or, you know we'll pick people to, to send t-shirt to you know see there's there were ECWVH this you know tape series right next to the t-shirt photo See, I remember that the ECW in Japanese, you know, the, the whole bunch of video came out, you know, at the time. And uh, we print up our T-shirt, my T-shirt, whatever, and we were going to give it away as a, as a gift. If you ever find any of these, like, cleaning out your place, I want yeah. one. I want one. If you ever find them. I want one. A 25-year-old T-shirt? Okay, oh, my gosh. I'll find it. Actually, there was a box somewhere here that, that is, is, is the box full of T-shirts I never wear. So You have you have a somewhere. box of these? I used to, but this is when you move, you know, some box will, right. will never be opened again. Hang on a second. Or hey, Gary, when you open the... Can yeah. you fuck this to Tokyo, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's talk about wrestling. I need to get um, Fumi's T-shirts. 
Okay, well, um, I'm, I'm on my way. We were see, there was questions. In yes. Your, uh, quite a few that uh, is this Japanese wrestling formula to send young boys to abroad, America or Mexico, you know. Well, and, here, let's, and, uh, let, let's yeah, come back as a new okay, character. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, can you okay. introduce us to that topic? Me, me, okay, I get it. You want to get out yeah. of it. By the way, yeah. uh, to all the new people, be sure to give us the uh, the five-star review on iTunes. You won't win a Fumi t-shirt, but you will win the Bolnacano Pacific Rim t-shirt. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. Follow him at Fumihiko Dio and follow me at uh, Jim Valley. That's F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O. Fumihiko Dio. And be sure to do that if you're if you're new to the show. So what we want to talk about, a uh, couple of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an article. Uh, I forget where it was from, but somebody put it up on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of enthusiastic wrestling fans who sure. write articles and things, and, and they're, they're really good ideas, but sometimes they don't have the whole picture. I remember a few years ago, somebody from, like, Sports Illustrated ranked, mm. like, the top 50 wrestlers of all time, and he put Kane in there, and, like, 90% of the wrestlers were all WWE guys from the modern era. Yeah, and, the past 20 years at most. Yeah, at most. Yeah, yeah. I think he stuck Gorgeous George in there. And there was nobody else, so it was uh, it was not the best. But anyway, right? Um, we saw this article about um, like the best uh, Japanese wrestlers who went abroad and came back, and you know with As the a su- star, yeah, that came back. And with the success of like Jay White that we've seen ooh, ooh. Uh, with with you know he's been really awesome in the G1. Switchblade. And, yeah, yeah, and by the way. Uh, with the G1, um, with it going on right now, uh, we mm-hmm. don't always know when you're going to be listening to the podcast. So we'll 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 talk about it. There's something newsworthy afterwards, but it doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense for us to talk about matches when it's like maybe you're listening to this thing two or two or three weeks later. But there are some trends in the G1 that we do want to talk about, and I think with Jay White's success, as far as I mean, he's really been great ever since the the San Francisco show. I think he's kind of turned a corner and kind of opened my eyes. Um, mm, mm. You know, talk about the trend of leaving Japan and then coming back a star. How long has that been around? Actually, as long as it's been around. <laughs> like uh, The first wrestler, you have to go back all the way to father of Japanese wrestling, Ricky Dozen. You know, he spent two years in wrestling in Hawaii and San Francisco and came back as a star. It started from, you know, Ricky Dozen, you know, Jan uh, Baba. Two years in America, three years in America. Antonio Inoki, two years in America. They all came back as a star. So the formula was always there. Of course, we used to call it American style professional wrestling, right? It's just, it, of course, it's professional wrestling. But when they started back in, you know, like, well, to, to, to be exact, that uh, 19, 1952 formula, Ricky Dozen, they were calling it Western style sumo. <laughs> professional wrestling you know oh yeah that's a western style sumo right yeah it's what that's what it is so they they know sumo wrestling before we, we knew professional wrestling so they were translated you know translated back then like yeah american style sumo is what they're learning american style sumo how's that you know incredible huh so but uh yes yeah how, how 1952 Ricky Dozen went to America and learned 
to be a wrestler, you know, American style wrestler. And, and, uh, and who did he learn 1960. From? Oh, Bobby Bruns, uh, Fred Atkins, um, Okishkina in, in, in Hawaii. Yeah, those uh, stars from 1930s. Yeah, yes. See, uh, you have to cover a lot of ground here. Every flight out of Haneda Airport back then stopped in on your way to States always stopped in Hawaii before, then stopped in California. So Midwest, the East, you know, East Coast, New York, they were pretty far away for us then, in, back in 1950s, early 50s. See, they, okay, go back a little bit more. 1945, the war was over. There was a war between your country and my country. That's incredible, right? And the war was over, 1945. Then six years later, American style wrestling came with DH, you know, GHQ. GHQ is general headquarters. See, there was there was a war, remember? Then the war was over, and uh, this new government, you know, new establishment, the whole thing, and the new pop culture, of course. Wrestling was introduced to Japanese audience in 1951. Yeah, that's what it was. And the Ricky Dozen former sumo wrestler turned into professional wrestler under the guidance of Bobby Browns, Harold Sakata, and a couple more American wrestlers. And he was sent to Hawaii and trained under Okishkina and went to California and met people like Sharp Brothers, you know. And then uh, 1953 on, yes, wrestling has been, wrestling business has been very big. You know, with network channel and the whole things all started, and uh, wrestling's always been on network channel in Japan. That's why it's kind of different development. You know, never local channel or the cable TV don't come out uh, next another 30 years or so. It was always on network channel, and the wrestling was instant boom hit in 1953. Anyhow, sending uh, your wrestler to um, ab abroad, yeah. That trend didn't start last five years with, you know, Oka Okada or your Hiromu, you know, Hiromu Takahashi or see, these are the very recent example. But every single Japanese star after Riki Dozan, Baba had, you know, four year trip, you know, back and forth, you know, states in Japan, starting 1961. Giant Baba was traveling all over America with people like, you know, Great Togo, challenging Buddy Rogers, challenging Luthes, challenging Freddie Blassie, you know, challenging all the world, you know, champions, champions in America, already a star. Two years later, Antonio Inoki, relatively unknown then, but uh, he had a trip, uh, 1964 till 1966, two-year trip, California, Oregon, the, uh, Kansas City a little bit, and um, back in Calif uh, California, it's two years trip, you know. They they all did that, you know, or, or, traditionally. After that, Sakaguchi, or, or Jumbo Tsuler, Fujinami, Ricky Choshu, even Maeda, Muto, Chono, Hashimoto, see, every, or Tenru, see. Um, some people decided to kind of stay longer, like Killer Khan, Great Kabuki, Kendo Narasaki, they were going to, like Kim Dak, they were going to stay in, in America. They kind of liked it. The perfect example was Masa Saito. See, 
he was going to go to America. Then he got the green card. He thought he was going to be there forever. But he decided to come back when he was 41 or something. And then had a second career in Japan. So uh, there, there's been formula that send your, you know, future superstar to America seasoned and have them travel on their own, book their match on their own, learn the business on your own, grow your hair out, develop your new character, you become a new person, and then come home. Does that make sense? You know, I think a lot of people have seen uh, the picture that's out there. It's fairly famous of a very right. young Jumbo with a very young Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen, and right, and a, Bob Backlund. Yeah, and that's, a, that's yeah. in the, the Funk Amarillo territory, isn't it? Right, right. Uh, Jumbo to, uh, in 1973, that was a year after Munich Olympic, you know, golden rookie, right? He was sent sent straight to Amarillo, Texas. He did not do the territories that much. He stayed in one place for one year. And when they had, you know, there were Funk's territory in, in, in Amarillo, Texas, it was good, you know, good place to stay. And he lived there for one year. Another rookie, Stan Hansen, then rookie, yeah, then rookie Bob Backlund was there. And uh, Ted, DiBi- Ted DiBiase was around in the arena, but he was still going to college then. Um, people like Tali Blanchard still going to college, but they were always in the building. And uh, yeah, they just, uh, that the whole atmosphere and the whole camaraderie thing, I think, that the, you go someplace and stay and spend something, you know, yeah, substantial time in your career that you become somebody. Yeah. Jumbo did that. Yeah. Tenru, at the same time, t- Jumbo's rival, ten- Genichiro Tenru, he had traveled a little longer, you know, spent a year in Georgia, spent another eight months, nine months in Florida. Um, Jim Crockett's promotion for six to nine months. Uh, he uh, he did a lot of traveling south, you know, and uh, there were because there were territories, you know, all the way up to like '87 or so until Vince McMahon started conquering the world, you know, and then the landscape had changed drastically. And during '90s, only two offices, WCW or WWF, so it changed. But on, uh, when they had 20 territories, there are more place to go to. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about, uh, I guess, one of the more famous ones who was here a very long time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Keiji Muto. You know, he was in Dallas. Sure. He was in Florida. And then, obviously, he went to... Uh, Puerto Rico. You know, yeah, and, and World Championship Wrestling. And mm-hmm. do you it think... Began, it be, while he was there, it became WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, obviously, he left because of the, I guess he got mad because of that Starcade in 89. Do you think he would have stayed longer? Might he have stayed years longer had he had things, had he not uh, been booked so poorly and kind of decided that he wasn't going to be. Is that, what, is that what people think? That's about what people think. Uh, yeah. That's what No, that's... Muto never had problem with that. Really? No, who said this? That was, it was new to me. The Muto got mad because of a Starcade booking or like yeah, losing when they, all when they did the tournament. Yeah, Flair Sting the... and the... Yeah. he he never had trouble with that. That's the legend. No, says who? I've heard it many times repeated. <laughs> this is no, no, it never occurred to me. No, really, he, so he was... did not. Yeah, he did not have you know problem with that. 
well, did he want to be Sting or did he want to be Luger? He's so professional. He doesn't. He also respects both Luger and Sting. You're not going to beat Flair, you know. So, I don't think he had problem with that. No, booking result. No. Do you and know that, why that, he that's left? That's like a real s- strong ego thing. It sounds like Keiji Muto is so professional. I don't think he make fuss about how he was booked, you know, that uh, even if he was losing to Luger, even if he was losing to Stan at the time as a result of the match, he will steal the match anyhow. So why do you, why did he leave? Do you know? He was going to come, come back and be a main event guy and he wasn't going to stay. He wasn't going to, you know, live in America with green card or anything. He had planned to become number one star in Japan. He was going to come back. Yeah. Oh wow! This legend's kind of strong, and we gotta correct that. Still. I guess so. It's to, a good today. thing we have. It's a good thing we have you here. That's what you're here for. Well, you have to ask. You know, I have to ask Muto. Probably I can ask him again. But uh, and also that the cha- the answers would vary depends on when you hear. You know, when you answer. You know, when you hear him. If you asked him 20 years ago, or if you asked him five years ago, or if you ask him now. The answer may be different, okay? But from what I understood, that wasn't the reason at all that you know he um, he left because he got mad at losing all three. But being in a position was good enough because he was only God five months after he he became great Muta, you know. See, at uh, July. 89 clash of champions he made first appearance with wcw you know up until then he was working at for uh crockett or i mean uh, for puerto rico puerto rico dallas dallas i can't i can't remember but the same trip he was in 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 puerto rico as a matter of fact the night brody got stabbed he was at the building too you know he was black ninja and he had short run with WWC, I mean uh, w, uh, WCCW, World Class Championship Wrestling in Dallas. But Dallas, you weren't making all that much money then, you know. Then there was an the opportunity that he could go to NWA Jim Crockett promotion. Okay, I go there. And then the Hiro Matsuda was there. Everything was set, and he he start from pretty much main event cluster. And uh, yeah, but. Getting mad at this, how he was booked, is so childish in my book, and uh, that is not reason at all. I don't think. Oh wow! I didn't hear that legend, Jim. I can't believe that. That's a. Fa- I've heard that. I don't know. I couldn't even pinpoint where because I've heard it so many times. Yeah, but the, it's new to me. I don't think Muto had tr- no trouble with that at all. Yeah. So is yeah. what do you think for for Japanese wrestling fans? What is it just that they come back as a new character, or do, does you know does it matter if they went to Mexico or they went to the United States or? Uh, or you want to go to America for sure, but uh, okay, that matters. Relatively smaller sized people can get to go to Mexico. You know, Ultimo Dragon. You know, he see, he was in. New Japan Dojo early in 1987 and he was told you ain't debuting because you're too you don't have the height 
you know, he's well now. Now you have wrestlers that are even shorter than Ultimate Dragon, but back in eighties, they you know Kotetsu Yamamoto, other coaches in you know, the dojo people looked at him as a, a great athlete. You can practice here and everything, but we won't be able to debut you here. Then uh, he packed up and went to Mexico, and then rest of the history. Aside, remember. So um, Liga was the same way too. He went to Mexico before he went to New Japan Wrestling Dojo. After his college, Liger, he, you know, got, you know, he worked during college, you know, days that uh, he saved up money and saved just enough money to go to Mexico. He went to Mexican wrestling school before he came back and then uh, went into New Japan school. Uh, so it was a little different formula, but uh, Liger did that too. And traditionally, so many, so many uh, Japanese wrestlers been to Mexico. Uh, you know, the Sayama before he was Tiger Mask, or Kengo Kimura. Oh, Fujinami uh, was in Mexico as Dragon Fujinami before he went to States. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah. It's, it's easier for a smaller body Japanese wrestler to go to Mexico. And oh, the Misawa, Koshinaka, they had trip to Mexico and then had a one year run there. And uh, yeah, a lot of people in Mexico. But America is, you know, visa situation or opening up, you know, the, you, know you need the opening when at a certain territory or you need somebody's strong recommendation to even get there. And uh, Florida, you always had Duke Kiyomuka, the Piro Matsuda, that uh, Omasa was there, and Masa Saito. A lot of people had connection with Florida. So Florida was a relatively easier place to go, you know? And uh, and Los Angeles, of course, when Mike LaBelle still had the territory, yes, a lot of people did come, come in, and, you know? And, and Roy Shire, of course, you know? Masa worked there. See, those territories are gone, you know, only all big companies. Now, realistically, 2018, you only have one. Well, it's, yes, ROH and Impact is still exists, and uh, there's an uh, opening, you know, and then ROH could grow, you know, even bigger. But uh, to have foreign citizen with proper, you know, working visa, and all the you know, recommendation from that uh, inner circle, it's really hard, still hard to get in WWE, don't you think? You know, one of the guys from maybe 10 years ago kind of different, did it in an interesting way, and he's back now. He was ROH champion, and then he took it the title back to Mexico, so he kind of did both at the same time was Takeshi Morishima. Oh, Morishima. Okay, okay, right. Remember, because he was ROH champion in the United States, right. and he would come back to Noah with the title. Yeah, because Noah and ROH had dealing. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of different. He, he did not have one, you know, but Morishima did not have one year run in America. Remember, like, uh, right. in Muto, Chono, Hashimoto, Kensuke Sasaki, they all had, like, one... To now, what about a guy just recently, uh, relatively recently, I guess? If, you know, you, you found New, Brand, New Brunswick, you know, that the Canadian summer territory. And, you know, there are more places to work then. Did, uh, what about Okada's run? That wasn't really his fault in TNA. Nope. 
But、uh, I don't want to say no, but New Japan did not tell TNA anything about any plans. See, New Japan had plan to make Kazuchika Okada a new superstar upon his you know, you know, know, arrival, or new, new arrival, I should say. See, he was hidden for a year and a half, almost two years. No information, no photos. He is in TNA, it's told, but never been on TNA television. So he was just getting ready to become somebody. And New Japan had planned all along, but didn't tell TNA about it. And TNA didn't do anything for him on television either. He, they didn't, either they didn't recognize anything in him, or he was just there as one of the 50 other guys, or, or didn't pay much attention to him. So he didn't, they didn't find out. Really, how talented that guy really was. It's just somewhat miscommunication, but New Japan ghetto kind of did that on purpose, too. You know, they didn't want anybody to know about that guy. It was an incredible plan. Well, as long as it obviously it didn't affect him, so and he came out of it a right, right, yeah. And、uh, hiding out for two years is the main reason, too, because Japanese wrestling fans didn't see him for two years. You know, he, he will have a different look. Different hair, different costume, and even different name, you know? So、um, you come back as a John Cena type. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you'll be the star guy from the day one when you come back. Then, sure enough, you beat people like Tanahashi and become new champion, you know? And、uh, that was an incredible formula. It's pretty new that、uh, he, Okada didn't do that much while he was in America, but.、Uh, It was just kind of buying time that、uh, in two year period, that guy will be main event. And、uh, was so well hidden, you know, that,、uh, yeah, Gedo had this, this plan, you know, planned this thing, thing out so carefully that、uh, nobody knew about. Yeah, and it's something that we're probably going to see for, for generations. So don't think this is something that is going to end anytime soon. It took soon. somebody like Okada, though. Can't do it with anybody either, you know? And,、uh, yeah. yeah would, would it be going hard, to Mexico and go, yeah. Would it be harder today with,、uh, with the media where you can pretty much see anybody anytime? Or do you think it's a m a t t e r Right, right.、Mm, either way, yeah, it's. It's kind of strategic because some, see, when Muto, Keiji Muto was in America, yes, we put a lot of photos of him in Florida, him in Puerto Rico, him from Dallas, you know, so, so it's a Japanese magazine and New Japan wanted him in magazine at the same time. But the, they used completely different formula for Okada this time. They, there was no photos of him for two year period, nothing, you know. He, people, hardcore fans knew he was in TNA, but never been on TV. So it's like, what happened to him kind of thing, you know? But、uh, so this is just a completely different formula. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye to see what,、uh, what happens next. Hey, another, another, <laughs>、yeah. thing, another thing with the G1 I want to talk about、um, with, the, yeah. uh, with the Tongans, with.、Uh, With a、uh, lot of interference. Lots of interference in these matches. I mean, from what I've seen and. And DQ the, finish. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not there. So, I mean, you're, if you're not, it's hard to really be a good judge if you're not in the arena, but it looks like it's, 
it's getting some heat, but traditionally, Japanese fans... That's not very Japanese style, huh? They, they don't like that traditionally, right? Yeah, so I had to sit down and think about that, too, because we are almost dealing with different audience now, though. See, New Japan fans, today's New Japan fan I'm talking about, they are so much like WWE Universe. New Japan World, only watch New Japan World. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they have not really seen the interference type of, you know, bra and whole bunch of guys running in and then all of a sudden it's just a bra here and bra there, like a mini battle royal going and all of a sudden referee called the bell and, well, wow, it's DQ finish. Oh my gosh. It's like, so they've done so, you know, clean finishes so many years. So it may work as something new to their eyes, you know, so never know. See, you've seen it. I've seen it. And this interference and DQ finish is like a real bad example of American finish, right? <laughs> it looks like, you know? The but, only thing, uh, I, I, don't, yeah? I don't like it. When I first saw it, I was like, well, this isn't what I watched New Japan for. But once I, once I kind of took a step back, I thought to myself, well, think about it. It's, it's Gato's booking, so a lot of it's probably going somewhere it's probably not so many times in wwe it's like a cop-out because they don't want to beat a guy or they don't want to do something and my feeling is is it's going to end up with with something like eventually tomatonga is going to lose because of interference or there's going to be there's a story here because there's always oh yeah i'm sure there are purpose you know there'll be yeah. purpose to it so, yeah, of so, course. I, so I've kind of taken a step back from it, and I've just and also to this watch could unfold. be their you know style of new faction. See, this is Tamatonga, Tongarao, his brother, another Tonga guy coming in and even using Haku father as a boss, you know. And the, the boss Haku can do a mic interview in Japanese. It, it'll come out soon. And uh, the new faction, is, to make this new faction a little di different from other factions like Bullet Club and others, that this group is the one who does all the interference, you know, and never wins clean. And looks to me that this, they're giving Tamatonga a chance to become the head of the new faction, you know. He somewhat dress up like a heel version of Seth Rollins, and uh, it's like uh, they're, they're producing him like a like a top that top of this new faction. So this, the focal point is Tamatonga now, though. You know whether he has it or not, we have to see it. You know we have he, he still need to be tested that the, he can carry the ball. He'll give you the ball. You run as fast as you can, as far you know as far as you can. That this seemed like Tamatonga's turn. You know to shine. And uh, only one at a time, right? And uh, does he? Yeah, have Kenny to, Omega. Yeah. Does he have to have five star matches to succeed? Does he have to do these amazing matches like Okada and Omega and everybody else, or can he get by? Then with... that would be Okada formula, and then that would be Omega formula. So to be able to stand out as somebody different and somebody new, or somebody special and somebody unique, that he doesn't have to you know, blending with Okada type match or Kenny Omega type match and not everybody can do that. So say Tamatonga against Kenny Omega happens as a single match, it doesn't have to look like Okada Omega match. You know, you have to come up with Tamatonga formula to become somebody, you know. So so, so that uh, you, uh, 
five star match you're talking about five star matches already on with somebody else's formula you know and uh, it doesn't have to be that way I guess I don't think you see we may need somebody like old Taiga Jitsin type of guy one one can go there you know so see what happens I never thought of it we're sort of a not exact copy but sort of yeah that version of Tiger Jeet Singh where there's chaos and it's right yeah. right because not every heel need to work alike you know everybody should be different see um, Fale can be like a Vader Fale can be like a baby face so but the Fale has to look like Fale you don't have to work like Kenny Omega you can't but uh, you know what I'm saying everybody need to be different you know and I think they are testing a new format with Tonga and his people. You know, this faction is a little bit different from Bullet Club or Naito's group. You know, and see what happens. Yeah. Does it make sense? It makes perfect sense. I think you've clarified yeah, a lot yeah. of things there. That's yeah. why we but, have this show, Fumi. That's why you have yeah, T-shirts. That's oh, what no, you're going to be But for for newer fans or the newer American listeners of ours out there, um, this sending you know Japanese wrestler, young, relatively younger, and promising wrestlers to abroad, and and have them spend at least a year or two, like a Yoen you know show, you know, they all came and came back with different hairdo, different costume, or a couple of different moves, a new finish. It's great, but that's not the formula of five to ten years. We've been doing this forever, forever, you know, yeah. You know, and a lot but, of times, uh, even in the territories, yeah. they wouldn't go to they wouldn't go to another country. Sometimes they say they would. I I don't know why WWE doesn't <laughs> rest more people more often and then just bring them back with a new haircut or a new finishing maneuver, just like they did in the old days, where you know, oh my gosh, Magnificent Morocco's back and he's got the Asiatic spike, or Terry Gordy, uh, Terry Gordy in yeah. World Class came back from Japan and had the the Asiatic spike or. Uh, the Shinigamaki right, right. or or what? These are just examples mm, mm, that pop into mm, my head. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's good though. Cause oh, like uh, the one I remember was a guy was like tenth grade, back in '77. Tatsumi Fujinami, winning WWWF at the then, you know, World Junior Heavyweight Title, beating Jose Estrada at the Madison Square Garden. Oh my gosh. This guy became champion at Madison Square Garden, and uh, that the video from Madison Square Garden televised in Japan like instant star overnight, right? And then he came back with this new belt, and when he, when Fujinami was junior, WWF junior heavyweight champion, he traveled back and forth, back and forth, you know, like between Japanese stores. He goes to Olympic Auditorium, have title defense against. If you remember Mass Canadian, who was Piper inside. Right, Roddy Piper. Yeah, and the guys that the Fujinami had a title, you know, defense against people like Mando Guerrero, the Tony Rocco, the Colossal Corsetti, the Ryuma Go, or even had a tag team with Chavo Guerrero. All those tapes were televised in Japan, so it was like really exciting. And uh, the formula always worked because wrestling came from America, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I loved that yeah. WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship belt. That was my favorite belt growing up. 
Yeah, yeah. That so was that cool was belt. that the formula always worked. Remember when Ricky Choshi became star, he uh, he erased himself and uh, he went to Mexico and had a 10 month run. And while that 10 months run, what did he do? He grew his hair out like what Ricky Shosh is supposed to look like, you know? Now, that was the first time he really had long hair. And he's been having the long hair since, you know? Now, and, uh, did yeah. Ricky Choshu have a Fumi mullet, or did Fumi have a Ricky Choshu mullet? No, no, Ricky Choshu had like a long hair, like all one length. I you know? know. Well, he had a mullet <laughs> yeah. toward the end, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah towards the end. Yeah, because it's so hard to work with all one length hair. You know, it's, right. his hair is too long, right? And but uh, yeah, I admire Kevin Nash. You know, all one length, great looking hair, right? So. Yeah, yeah I, think... oh, I I I remember Triple H having like a real long hair. I liked it then. Well, you yeah. had a ponytail when I first met you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it took me three or four years to have this uh, the hair grow out all one length. You know, yeah, it was hard. But uh, yeah, uh, first recorded American. See, I have to point out because you know I want more people to do a research on professional wrestling history you know not just historians task but if more people are interested in the real history of professional wrestling i think we get more out of this what what's going on today you know by learning history you know i think yeah. you're right yeah and the first recorded have, yeah i should explain yeah. something to people if you're just listening to the show if you're a new listener yeah the reason we do this podcast is because you yeah. wanted to do this podcast to share a lot of history with younger people. That was yeah, because your... they they should you know learn more about it, and I want this our listener to be somebody who will find you know that uh, error and, and the mistakes on w Wikipedia. You know, so it's like a, you don't go to just Wikipedia to find things up. And if you're good enough, you go into Wikipedia and read and find mistakes in there. This is like the Wikipedia is something that uh, both, you know, the right information, wrong information, right news source, right material, wrong material coexist in the same page. You know, then we should be able to. <laughs> become somebody that, that, that hey what's on what's on the Wikipedia is wrong you know and then uh, we'll start correcting it that the perfect example from two weeks ago see Wikipedia and other US sources listed Masasaito's birthday as February 1st 1942 or something the real birthday is August 7th and that's why they listed um, Masasaito died age of 76 no, actually, he was 75. But uh, according to Wikipedia's, you know, information, February 1st, right, he was already 76. But and actually, actually, he died July, right? And his birthday is August 7th, so he was, oh, he was still 75. And those little things, little details, we know right away, you know, if we study. Yeah. So oh, whatever, yeah. Um, WWE has announced yeah. the Women's Evolution pay-per-view, the first yeah. women pay-per-view in the history of WWE. Not in women's yeah. not even the first history of the United States because the LPWA had one uh, in the 90s. Uh, all women, yeah. But or Glow. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, Glow. I how could I forget yeah. my, my Glow? Girls. That was all women's. Yeah. yeah. I, did they have a yeah. pay-per-view though? 
Did they do? Maybe they did do a pay per view. Anyway, a uh, glow. Yeah. Did they ever make it to pay per view? I don't know that they ever did. I don't know, but the. LPW did have one pay per view. Yeah, they sure. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, all know, women's the, October twenty eighth evolution. Yes. So one of the things that poor Dave Meltzer, I feel bad for Dave sometimes because people yeah. are all. I'm like, how can you not like Dave? He seems such, like such a nice guy, and I think he does such a good job. But anyway, so people were uh, fighting with Dave about. You know, why doesn't New Japan now have women on their shows? And it should be, <laughs> and how terrible it is that New Japan doesn't have women on their shows. And with this women's pay-per-view, I thought we maybe should enlighten people who are listening if they don't already know. Yeah, but look, um, a lot of this, this is, this is the two things I have to you know point out. Yes. A lot of American audience think the whole world is like America, you know? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so what they see through their American viewership is not exactly what works in the whole world. See, when, not to say chauvinist or anything like that, but the, in Japanese wrestling society, there has never been a combined show. Things like, you know, the women's wrestling company and men's wrestling company always coexisted completely separately. And uh, see, Japan, Ricky Dozan's Japan Pro Wrestling, Giant Baba's Old Japan, Anthony Noki's New Japan, you know, they never had women's division. Whereas we always had women only company, the most famous one being All Japan Women's, right? All and Japan they were women's. incredibly successful. Yeah. That company didn't start until 1967. They were spin-off of Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Um, as incredible as this, uh, actually, back in 1954, way back when, I'm sorry, 1954, Mildred Park and her crew came to Japan and ran their own show. They had three consecutive Sumo Palace shows in 1954, all-women show, and had all sold out all three days and had a long tour around the country in October of 1954. Mildred Barkin and her people. No men's wrestler, only women. And during 50s and 60s, way, be way before All Japan Women's, there were like 10 women's professional wrestling, women only though, there were like a 10 women's professional wrestling company in Japan during uh, late 50s into 60s. Incredible, huh? At least 10 women's company, women's only. They ran their own tour, they ran their own show, and they ran their tours within the country of Japan during 60s, late, late 50s into 60s. But uh, the problem is though, they were not televised, and they did not, and they weren't covered by newspaper or sports pages back then. And there are so little records. We just have real old people who used to be involved in you know, some of the older wrestlers or the ladies or somebody's friend or somebody's grandma that we happen to know. They were the wrestlers, but there weren't too many, re too much of record or written pieces on this women's uh, professional wrestling in 60s. 
and uh, we have a hard time finding records, but there were at least 10 women's professional wrestling company in Japan during the 60s. Incredible, huh? Women only company, though. And uh, 1967 on, all Japan women's, and you have Mah, you know, Mak Fumiyake, the beauty pair, uh, you know, Maki Ueda, the Jackie Sato, or even uh, older, you know, f- you know, superstars from 60s. We always had women-only company in Japan. And I think the, people the, need the to understand first company, that people need yeah? to understand that they were for they were very successful at times too. I think people think yeah, yeah. that w- because they see like say for example Shimmer or even Stardom which is popular but it's still not hugely popular. I think they think that right. that is the ceiling for women's wrestling and it's not even close. Right. Now yeah, this is like a lot of company we have like a 15 women's company now, you know. And uh, each company have their own following, but not they're not New Japan. That's what if that's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is is that in the past, you know, the the beauty pair were incredibly popular and incredibly mm-hmm. influential. All mm-hmm. Japan women in the '90s was incredibly mm-hmm. popular. '80s and '90s. Yeah, yeah, 80, yeah. It was incredibly popular. Yeah, Crash Girls and yeah. Yeah, they were incredibly popular and incredibly influential as 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 anything. And I think people think that. The women need that help or they need to be propped up by new japan and i guess my point is is history says that that is not the case no no not at all new japan don't need women's wrestler women's women's company don't need new japan no i kind of don't think so it just and doesn't even complement each other i don't think and if they were to have see if new japan had women's wrestling they only have what one or two matches out of nine, you know, nine, ten card, you know, show, right? So that's like, that's backward. If you have a women's group and a women's own company and a women only show, you have, you can have 20, 30 women's wrestlers, all women's show. You know, they all can have a chance to shine. See, women's wrestling is not a part of men's wrestling, I don't think. That's hard, you know. It is, it is, but it's a it's a cultural thing. But at the same time, I think when you mentioned that it goes back to 1967, over yeah. 50 years ago, I think I think that says something. Yeah, and then also Channel Eight, Fuji TV at the time did not carry any wrestling show. You know, they got on it, and uh, Channel Eight, Fuji TV became home for all Japan women's. So they became pretty much equal to Channel 4's Old Japan, Channel 10's New Japan, you know, and it was incredible to have network channel. So it helped women's wrestling, you know. And uh, yeah, I think the only mm-hmm. only time New Japan had any women's wrestling was, uh, was that 2002 or three Tokyo Dome show. They had uh, one or two match from Old Japan, then, active all japan women's then they went out of business a couple years later so i just don't think this works see new japan don't necessarily need women's wrestling and women's wrestling are not underneath new japan and they if they can have their own you know women's wrestling league and whole genre to themselves you know what's the point of doing business with men's company 
Yeah, yeah, it's equality. They they are they can do their own thing, and history shows that they have been yeah. incredibly successful. And there's who knows what could happen in the future with Stardom or any other company. Yeah, yeah. There's well, even the company, back. yeah, the same capital or something that uh, they still need to be separated. You know, yeah. Women's wrestling should not be just one match out of men's card. You know. And don't forget, okay. uh, China was on that New Japan show. Yeah, it was under um, Anthony Noki's, you know, yeah. like idea. You know, yeah, you have to use this girl. It's like a, she's big, big star. And uh, yeah, it's still Inoki at the time, 2002, still had influence above what's going on in New Japan before he actually sold the company. You know, that's probably another story for another day. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Speaking definitely. of women. Uh, announced for the May Young Classic is Maiko Satomura. Satomura, yeah. Oh, I'm hoping she will win. She may not, but uh, she is um, um, incredibly charismatic and very serious style wrestling and um, very totally Japanese style, right? And uh, I'm hoping they will just use him as she is. So, you know, they, they're not going to change anything. You come in as Meiko Satomura, work like Meiko Satomura, and leaves Ling like Meiko Satomura, you know, and just don't change anything. Just do what she does in Japan and just wrestle like that in, in, in NXT ring. And it's good, you know, very good to be different, you know? I yeah. think it's just, a, it's just for the tournament. I don't think she's signed, is she? I don't think so. Not that I've heard um, now. Yeah. May, because she can't leave. She's a boss. She's a president and also the spokesperson of the Sendai Girls Women's Professional Wrestling Company. And no, she can't leave like that. You know, um, see, Kairi saying, and I'll ask her for sure. And now, yo, should I? They were on their own, and they're at their prime of their, you know, professional wrestling career. If they want to leave, now is the time to do do so, and uh, they have to see how far they can get. You know, oh, those three girls, Asuka and Kaidi and Io, this is their time. Yes, but the Satomura is a little bit different. She's a promoter. She's a president. She trains people, and he's a, she's a spokesperson for the company. And. What do you yeah, think about? And, uh, have you seen what they've done with Oscar on challenging for the title? That uh, I guess they've sort of protected her for not winning the title. I guess I don't know. It doesn't look like she's going to be a champion anytime soon. Uh, I think she'll have run. She she'll have run. Yeah. Okay. But uh, for for this, nothing's announced yet. You know, for this WWE Evolution October 20th, 20th card, but obviously it will. You know, there's going to be a title change before October, probably like SummerSlam. It looks like, um, but the the main event has to be Ronda Rousey against Charlotte Flair. Possibly. Raw. Yeah. Oh, it has to be. I don't That's know. That why it has to be. That could be your. That could be your main event for WrestleMania. Yeah, that can be. Yeah, but they, they can do it twice. You never know. You never know what. Yeah, because women's women's evolution card, you know, has to be something very special, and uh, they are making sure that the see, Charlotte Flair has been taken off TV for the last four weeks, five weeks. You know, when she comes back and make an appearance, she, she'll come back on camera very fresh. 
see um smackdown is being Becky lynch and carmella and a little bit of iconic and asuka you see a little bit of naomi but uh they have not shown charlotte flair and they've done this on purpose and they are not going to let ronda rousey wrestle on tv you know they are treating Ronda Rousey somewhat like more of a Brock Lesnar style. She can be on TV, she can do running, she can do an interview, but she is not going to have actual match on television. No. So um, the first main event for the evolution, it looks to me, Ronda Rousey from Monday uh, Raw Brand and Charlotte Flair from Blue, SmackDown. We'll see. I, they'll probably. Yeah. Who knows? I've heard yeah. a lot of rumors. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see as mm -hmm. we get. As yeah, we, as but we get this closer. has to be like a very incredible lineup, and they're saying fifty wrestlers, all women. So they, I'm sure they're going to have battle royal. Yeah. They're gonna have tag team. You know, they're gonna have different gimmick matches, tag team match, of course. You know, or tag team champion against tag team champion and the creator women's tag team champions, something like that. I don't know. But uh, it, they are going to treat this as a very special occasion, right? By the way, for people who don't know who are just listening, Fumi is the uh, the color man on the Japanese live stream of Raw and SmackDown in Japan on DAZN on the live yeah. stream. So each week, if you're in Japan and you got the you got DAZN, uh, you can hear yeah. Fumi do the uh, commentary for a WWE for Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Speaking Monday of night raw in America, Tuesday morning in Japan, Tuesday night in America, Wednesday morning in Japan. Hey, you know, we didn't plan this out. I'm springing this <laughs> one on you. But anybody yeah. who's listened to the show, we've talked about this for a long time now. And when it made news a few weeks ago, I was like, anybody who listens to this show already knew this. Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. We've yeah. talked about him. And you've said that he is an American star now, not yeah. going back to New Japan. But no, yet, not at all. But there are news stories out that New Japan wants him back, that his contract is coming due maybe early next year, and New yeah. Japan wants him back. Yeah. What's your What's your reaction to that? Any thoughts? Uh, if I were Nakamura? Sure, why not? I wouldn't go back. It's only been just two years, you know. If you are to have American successful run, I would have to give three to five years or even eight years. Think about Ichiro. Think about Godzilla Matsui. Think about Hideo Nomo. You see, if you played in a major league just two two seasons or three seasons, it's not that much. You know, if you have to commit to what what you're doing right now and give more time and. Uh, Hey, look, see, main roster, you know, SmackDown, that he only had one program, AJ Styles. Now going to second program, Jeff Hardy and Randy Sav, uh, I'm sorry, Randy Orton, uh, US heavyweight title, that second, you know, program. And he will have to run in as a part of Monday Night Raw Red Brand too next year, you know, after next year's. Uh, title shakeup and uh, uh, no Nakamura is not going back to Japan anytime soon I don't think 
Well, let's do this. Uh, we did get a question on Twitter recently. And by the way, if you want to do questions on Twitter, be sure to use the hashtag AskFumi. Ask F-U-M-I, hashtag AskFumi, so we can find your questions easily because neither of us yeah. are particularly organized. Who did you hear this? Why did you hear the rumors of this Nakamura or New Japan know. wanting Nakamura back? It's out there. See, I don't know. Maybe Pro Wrestling Sheet or Pro Wrestling Insider. Yeah, see, that is why that... See, we should have like um, media literacy for what's rumor and what's fact. And <laughs> if you, yeah, like if you uh, experienced enough wrestling, you know, fan that you can almost tell this is fake news. This is fact. This is fake news. This is fact. You could almost, you know, start being able to tell you know what's the right direction and what's fans wish for you know direction well let's do this question they want to know yeah. about uh michiaki yoshimura so eddie cool oh. on him says he rarely gets Mich talked about much these days so have at it he's right. one of your favorites michiaki, yeah michiaki yoshimura is an old timer old timer he was born in 1926 1926 okay he was born and died 2003 at the age of 76. Michiaki Yoshimura was a Rikidozan era superstar that uh, he was a basically tag team wrestler tag team partner of Rikidozan himself and also there was a international tag team the same in a, international tag team title they used that for all Japan in pro wrestling even today that international tag team and also asian tag team championship champion that the same asian tag team championship they use for eight uh all japan today very root of them the champions yoshimura was always partner of their stars bob uh, ricky dozan and yoshimura toyonobori and yoshimura baba and yoshimura inoki and yoshimura Sakaguchi and Yoshimura, they all, all, when they had the tag team titles, that the Yoshimura was your tag team partner. Interesting guy, huh? Yeah, and, he was uh, kind of almost like the, like a Tony Gurria, because he was obviously to be the Yeah, or, or, yeah, or Arn Anderson or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, when I was a little kid, you know, on TV, or I guess TV's, you know, standard was different. They used to show blood on TV, you know. They did that in America too, you know. That uh, not anymore, but uh, see, the, the, they used to show real bloody much on television. And Yoshimura was uh, who always got cut, you know. And uh, they, he had this Yoshimura's um, victory roll at the end. You know, he has this victory roll one two three and he wins the match or something and also kind of useless trivia but uh, michiaki yoshimura was uh, Karl Gotch's very first opponent single match opponent in 1961 trip that uh, the first trip korogachi ever had to japan first match was against yoshimura where he introduced german suplex and during that world league 1961 uh, World League Tournament, Korogachi and Yoshimura had tw 12 single matches series, 12 matches, three, three, four or something, three win, three lose, and uh, six draw or something like that, yeah. So that was Yoshimura, yeah. It started out as a sumo wrestler, 
and uh, college college sumo champion. And after he retired in 1973, he was one of those very rare uh, example that uh, never came back to wrestling show until the day he died. See, for uh, he retired 1973. He died 2003. So yeah, for like a 30 year period, he did not go to any wrestling matches. Yeah. Why not? I don't know. After he retired, he never came around, you know? And, uh, yeah, it took them a little while to announce his death, you know, because uh, uh, he never kept in touch with wrestling people. Yeah. He was one of the four bosses, you know, after Ricky Dozen died. See, he, he, when, when Ricky Dozen died, you know, well, he is in the middle of the Japan pro wrestling run. So Yoshino Sato, Kokichi Endo, Michiaki Yoshimura, and Toyo Nobori. These four people became four, you know, four bosses and ran the company until like early, early 70s, until Inoki left and Baba left. And they, shortly after that, uh, old Japan pro wrestling went down, went out of business in 73. Yeah. So that was, yeah, who wants to know about Michiaki Yoshimura? You have to be as old as at least 60 years old, you know? Yeah. Still, it's a good question. It's a, and Okay, uh, Michiaki Yoshimura, that the by player, yeah. That's pretty impressive. Tag team wrestler. So yeah, uh, yeah. if you have questions for Fumi, you hit on Twitter, tag uh, me and Fumi. And hit uh, hashtag ask Fumi. Yeah, and, uh, we'll get to your questions for sure. But be sure I to- thought I uh, see like uh, sending Japanese boy to America and to become a star. You know, I wanted to talk about. We can do that some other time. I wanted to talk about two Matsudas, actually three Matsudas. Very first and oldest recorded Japanese professional wrestler in America was Sorakichi Matsuda. Okay, Sorakichi Matsuda. He was the 1880s. You know, professional wrestling star in New York, and also another Matsuda was Mary Matsuda, M A T T Y Matsuda. He wrestled during 19-teens into 1920s and 1930s. He was world water heavyweight champion, water weight, water weight. Wow, like 170 pounds. But he was world welterweight champion in El Paso, Texas, and. Not too much is known about this guy, but I've been doing research. That's a Mari Matsuda. And the third Matsuda is Hiro Matsuda, of course. Your Hiro Matsuda from the 1970s. Now, the first two Matsudas, were those matches worked or were they shoots? um, That's a very interesting question. See, 1870s, 1880s, the father of American professional wrestling was William Muldoon. William Maldun, Ian Duke. He's, he was champion wrestler. He was also promoter. He was also co-owner uh, um, of newspaper called National Police Gazette. Um, nothing to do with police, though. National Police Gazette is a lot like your today's tabloid, you know, where you can pick up your copy, copy of Police Gazette newspaper at your barbershop or saloon or bars or nightclubs or restaurant, you know, where male audience gather and talk about things, you know, 
topic, murder, murder case. So, see, there was no television. There was no radio. We're talking about 1880s. There was professional wrestling. And I believe it's got to be work. <laughs> How's that? 1880s, though, you know? And Sorakichi Matsuda had series series of single match against William Muldoon, too. And I hope these American listeners out there um, start doing more research on William Muldoon and uh, William, W-I-L-L-A-I-A-N. Muldoon is M-U-L-D-O-O-N, William Muldoon, father of American professional wrestling. His nickname was Ian Duke. And he was world heavyweight champion before Frank Gotch, you know what I'm saying? 1880s professional wrestling. And I think it was already a work. Interesting, huh? That is it. See what you learned? We lo- we covered a lot of ground today. And by the way... <laughs> we love wrestling. I do. We do. And I want to mention, yeah. you are going to be at the last three nights of the G1 at Budokan. Yeah, Nippon Budokan, yes. That's today's wrestling, all right. <laughs> right, I know, but I just want to let people know, if you're listening now and you want a first-person perspective, we'll definitely talk about uh, the vibe and everything that happens. Yeah, when it happens. Um, that'll be October be 10th. Yeah. yeah, October 10th and 11th and 12th. Next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three nights in a row at the Budokan. You said October. You know, oh, I'm sorry, August, August. August 8th and 9th, yeah. Fr- Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three nights, yeah, three nights uh, at the Nippon Budokan, and it'll be a lot of single match, G1, and the way they showcase their incredible matches. And boys are like, when you cannot have single great match in New Japan, it's like you won't make it in New Japan. This is incredible sense of competition among guys. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's just something to keep uh, listening. So if you're new, thank you. Be sure to share the show. Let people know if you're enjoying what you're hearing and uh, be sure to share. Give us those reviews, share the show, and uh, we'll give away those t-shirts and in the I, next few I, weeks. I would like to, yeah, I would like to make uh, make one episode that uh, we talk about Sorakichi Matsuda, okay? Sometimes I, let's do that. Twist my first arm. Recorded, first recorded American, um, Japanese professional wrestler in America. Let's do it. You, that uh, sounds like a great episode. We'll coordinate that. We'll make it happen. Okay, sounds good. So be sure to follow us. Follow you on Twitter. Where do they follow you? Uh, f- Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo. F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O. And also on Facebook, Fumi Saito. F-U-M-I-S-A-I-T-O. And you can find me at Jim Valley on Twitter and on Facebook. This has been the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. Until next time. So long from Tokyo. <laughs>